Thanks for listening to Most Certainly True, a podcast of Grace Lutheran Church in downtown Milwaukee. It has been said that history is really His story, the story of God showing His grace and mercy to the people He has created. That grace and mercy is on clear display in the Gospels as we see our Jesus living and dying for the sins of the world. But His story continues. The story of the early Christian church is his story as well. We are glad that you have chosen to read that story with us, as together we read chapter by chapter through the book of Acts. We'll review the stories of God's grace and mercy on his infant church, and celebrate that same grace and mercy that we know and experience today. We are glad to have you studying and growing with us. Here's the next episode of our podcast and the discussion of the next chapter of the book of Acts. Hey podcast listeners, thanks for tuning in again to another episode of Most Certainly True Podcast. You're in episode two of our summer series (laughs) (laughs) it's like the sequels normally aren't good in movies but this is it just keeps getting better (laughs) there's gonna be 28 episodes of this one we're going chapter by chapter through ah that's why it's episode two it's chapter two (laughs) today we're looking at at chapter two so i'm Pastor Brian Hockman, and I'm here with Pastor Hebner. How are you today? I'm good. Nice to see you, Pastor Hockman. Good to be with you for another episode, another chapter in the Book of the Acts of the Apostles. And uh, we just uh, had had a chance not long ago to do a episode one recording, and we've just flown ten days. Yes, we have. And we have. Gone, how did that ten days go that fast? Seriously. But, but the way that it works in the church year calendar, it's perfect because <laughs> we. Uh, you're hearing a few. You heard chapter one a few days after, um, after uh, the ascension, the ascension, right? and now also in close proximity, Pentecost. Pentecost. So, yeah. um, it's one of those things. That, what the next yeah, weekend yeah, worship is going to be. It, what gets me so you know the the blood starts going when you're in the Bible and you're talking about stuff. And I love this book of the Acts of the Apostles and stuff. And the chapter two. And it's account, of course, we're going to take a look at Pentecost, we're going to see Peter's Pentecost sermon, we call it, and we're going to see the early life of the church in these rather longer chapters. But it's, I think, one of those things that is a happy and joyful uh, link in Bible reading and Bible understanding to have a better picture of how this works in the calendar that God had given to his chosen nation, the Israelites, and how that fits with this chapter. So when God, uh, finally after the 400 years in Egypt of and, and their status changing to not only a large nation but now in slavery, and gets them out, they, they have in essence sort of a heathen kind of understanding of the, the, the weak understanding if there really is a true God, who is he? And so he's going to Get him out with Moses. He's going to get him on not a direct shot to the promised land, but off away so he can spend time with him. We know Mount Sinai is the scene. And he's going to set up for them a revelation of who he is and what he has for them in mind for them and what he expects of them and sets up this three-part system of 
we could sometimes call them rules and regulations, but you know, they, it, 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 let's use that term to keep them unique so they don't intermarry with other peoples and then that they, they disappear as a nation that's unique to bear the promise. And then also to keep them reminding that they're sinners. So there's extra rules everywhere where they turn, they're going to bump into a rule or regulation and how you eat and how you dress and how you worship and where you live. And and it, it, you bump and turn, you go, I'm a sinner, I'm a sinner, I need a savior, I need a savior, I need a savior. And then finally wrapped in are these shadowings of the coming savior. And part of that is how he calendarized, that's probably a, that's crazy great, verb. That's a great word. Yeah, their their <laughs> year. You know, so they would start in the spring, and they would, and he have these these major events where he, they would have pouring out messages of how he loves them and cares about them, and it's on a cycle. So you have a a, se- a a cycle of seven days where they would rest on the seventh day. You have a cycle of months, and there would be three major festivals in the. Spring and three in the fall. So you go six months in this, this cycles of sevens. So in the springtime, you start with the Passover and connected to that as a day would be seven days of you bring, because the grain is planted in the late November, early December, and it grows through the winter and into the spring, and you start your harvest and you don't have machinery to do it within a day. It takes several weeks, but the first bushel, the first part of the harvest always goes to God. And you go to Jerusalem for Passover and you have a seven-day festival of unleavened bread. And then you go home and you spend seven weeks bringing in the rest of the Bring it into sheaves, bring it into sheaves, right? You know? <laughs> so it takes that long to plant. It's going to take that long to ripen and over time. And when it's done... Now, the end of the harvest after seven weeks, well, what is, you know, seven days a week times seven weeks is 49 days. On the 50th day, you go back to Jerusalem with the end of the harvest, and you have this big celebration of end of harvest. And now you're in Jerusalem, so celebrating the end of the harvest, and you're going to use Greek terminology because Jewish people have been in the prior centuries before the birth of Christ, affected by Alexander the Great and the Greek culture. And so they, yes, some of them still know Hebrew, but they're speaking Aramaic, but they also know Greek. So you call this 50th day festival by its Greek name, the 50th day festival, Pentecost, which is what that means. So as you are in Jerusalem, they're supposed to every year, celebrating the end of the harvest, the disciples are there with crowds from all over the place because that's what they're supposed to do in the springtime with these three festivals, and this is the third one now. Go to Jerusalem to celebrate end of the harvest, and this is when our gracious God sends his spirit to start harvesting souls, and the connection can't be missed if you understand how the Jewish calendar works and how God works here at Acts chapter 2, that um, the harvest of grain celebrated on the 50th day festival, is the actual day in which the harvest of souls, kaboom, begins with 3,000 souls. It's just to be cool. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I just think that it's important for Bible readers, podcast listeners yeah. to enjoy it, that connection. It's and, got that significance. Of course, yeah. it's got a practical significance, yeah. too, that Peter's not preaching to <laughs> the three people that saw the poster uh, who came, but yeah. rather these people that have, have come from all over the all world over. and now are going to take that message back yeah, around yeah. the world, too. And let's talk about a couple other interesting things, and you know this well, but the Hebrew word for spirit, right? Ruach. Ruach. Right? Yeah. You know, and Hebrew scholar that you are, I know that you'd come up with it right away. <laughs> you make me nervous when yeah. you start asking me a Hebrew question, but <laughs> yeah, that and, one I know. <laughs> yeah, and, then, and the Greek word for spirit, we all know, is 
Pneuma, P-N-E, like pneumatics yep. and pneumismat and pneumonia. In in English, we don't say the P. But um, those two words, whether Hebrew or Greek, you can translate spirit, you can translate breath, or, or you can translate wind. wind. Yeah. So if the spirit is coming now, right, and how do you have an indication of that? Well, he sets our hearts on fire with faith. He also has a term, Hebrew ruach, Greek pneuma, that means wind. And so you have this, not in the, it's not like the curtains are flying all over the place, but it's sound of a rushing wind, wind, the yeah. tongues of fire. It's the evidence of the Spirit's presence. You know, it's just, it's all here in chapter two as this begins. Yeah. And you have to see which, these connections. Which is so unique because normally the presence of the Spirit is not, is not something that's so visible, but this is yeah. not to be missed. This is yeah. the special... Um, I baptize you, John, with water and with the Spirit and with right. fire, right? The fire of the Spirit. This is right. all this, the fire of faith has ignited. The Paul talks in his letter, you know, to Timothy about the fan into flame, the faith, right? You know, mm-hmm. so this business of, and he sets us on fire with our faith. It just, it's all here. Another interesting thing, this is the chapter that helps us understand that later on, as the Holy Spirit also is pouring out to his believers, and he just still does it today, the spiritual gifts, these special abilities to help us serve each other and serve our God in a variety of ways, in speaking and serving. And there were some miraculous gifts given in the early days of the church before the New Testament was written so that the good news could get out. And one of those gifts would be to perform miracles to back up a message. One would be getting a direct message from God because the scriptures aren't written completely yet. And they're the guys who are going to write it. But also the ability to speak in a foreign language without having gone to school or doing Duolingo or Berlitz or, you know, whatever. And that that gift, which is mentioned only in Romans and 12 and in 1 Corinthians 12, it's nowhere else in the New Testament, is here. And when you link those together in Romans and 1 Corinthians and then Acts chapter 2, you can see that it is not ecstatic babbling when we talk about tongues. Right. It's not, blah, 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 and I got an emotional high because the Spirit has come on me and I got the Spirit in me. Blah, blah, you know, no, these guys are speaking known languages that they previously hadn't known but miraculously were able. Right. And if you read through the account, what are these guys? The mir- are they the miracle is observed? Yeah. How in the world are these? How can guys? they do this? Yeah. And then, of course, the the it's actually when you read it in Greek, you know, it's a derisiveness. These guys are drunk. Yeah. But when Peter makes his comment about it's only nine in the morning, we would always say, "Yeah, but I know some people who would drink all night and be still a buzz in the morning." But for a Jewish person, you did not eat or drink before nine a.m. on a festival day. Okay. This is a big it's deal. Part of the fast. It's part of the fasting and leading yeah. up to. So this is tied in when it's not nine in the morning yet. So that adds to that these guys are given by the Spirit a miraculous gift to speak in languages, and they're all the countries that of these visitors from all over are listed in chapter two, which is it, when it, you read through it and it's in script in church, and we have the festival of Pentecost, and you have to go to you know, Pamphylia and Syria and play, you know struggle with people who are podcasting and reading. They have to figure out where are these places. But the point is, specific geographic places are mentioned to highlight this gift of the gospel meant for all and proclaimed to all in their languages. Right. The Spirit is coming to these people. Right. And they're believers too, just like you, just like I am. Just, just, they, 
It doesn't matter your skin color or how tall or short you are, your weight or thin or fat or what, it doesn't matter. The Spirit ignites faith, and this is a very important lesson for all of us, the Pentecost fervor to share the good news of Jesus with the world. This concept of the different ways that the Spirit has planned and that God has planned for the gospel to spread from, yeah. from Jerusalem. You've got chapter one, <laughs> you'll be my witnesses, Jerusalem, yep. Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. You've got this where the ends of the earth are coming and then taking <laughs> it back. Yeah. Um, you've got the whole concept of the diaspora where the persecution, people are leaving Jerusalem and right. taking their gospel with them. Exactly. And now you've got these Jewish settlements in, in the far flung. The devil's trying to squash this church and God's just laughing and watching yeah. the church spread and guiding the church and the gospel to be spread. Um, and we have that today, right? I mean, because... If you're a disciple in Matthew 28, go and make disciples of all nations. Or if you're a disciple in Acts chapter 1, you be witnesses in all these concentric circles and to the ends of the earth, you're shaking your head and going, I, it's dead. You're right. Sure. Right, sure. Yep. You know? And then within the next chapter, within 10 days, it's reality in that you're communicating to people who are then... Let's take a look at who is on, right? on your doorstep. And right? how do we see it, you know, in our church body, even our little tiny corner of the visible church known as Wells, where... When Kiwalor has a chance to have sermons that are on the internet from Kansas City that are picked up by Hmong-speaking people in Vietnam who invite him, and now we have a chance to do outreach in Vietnam, around the world. And we had assignment uh, committee meetings I'm privileged to be a part of, and our church body and the young men were assigned to their candidates from the teaching ministry, young men and women, uh, 10 days ago or so, and now uh, this morning for the, the seminar. They're out to places around America and around the world and going into communities where the world has come to us. So to be attuned to their community, from they're going to be reaching people, not just some suburban people, but from all races and all countries. And it's just it's Pentecost happening all over. And we, we here at Grace Church at our little quarter of Broadway of Juno need to be attuned to that too. It's not just for us and our little enclave and our little, let's come in and let's hope we're okay and listen to Jesus. Oh, I'm glad I feel better for the week. I'll come back maybe next week. No, I have an impact to play and our church does too in this community, which is pretty getting more and more, thanks be to God, diverse. And let's let's reach out and do a Pentecost thing. Yeah. If you want an example <laughs> of Pentecost playing out in yep. in our lives today, check out what our church body's doing, some of the world mission opportunities yeah. you mentioned, just a small sampling of of the cool stories that are out there yeah. and uh, the cool ways that God is using us to um, And look at the that people gospel. that you and I have had a chance to instruct and now you've had a chance to new or welcome and then to have a confirmation right for adults. The last names aren't all Schmidt and uh, Gerhardt and you know what I mean. They're not yeah. all Germanic. It, some are. It's but there's from all different kinds of stripes. And this is all good, wonderful, and delightful for us here at Grace and to live it out personally in our neighborhoods where we live, in this community, but also as a congregation and then as a church body. So the Pentecost, very much, still part of us. Right. Is it? Every year on Pentecost, or I suppose the Joel reading is the Old Testament, but for one of the cycles, it's the Tower of Babel is the Old Testament yeah. lesson. Yes, it is. Um, so you have mm -hmm. this one people who now get scattered, and and you have the story that Pentecost is a reversal. To be, 
so many nations yeah. and now those nations come back to be yeah. in one family in it's, Christ. It's it, a really it, The cool difference connection. of languages pushed people apart and now the Pentecost undoes that where speaking in all languages we unite people in Christ Jesus. Right. And then fast forward yep. just a few more books into the picture that we get of heaven and there's people of every tribe, tribe race, nation, nation, nation and language. Isn't that beautiful? And what a cool I, thing yeah. that God's church on earth looks the way that his church on he- yeah. in heaven You just will did be. Acts connected to Genesis backwards and Revelation forward, and I love that. Yeah. The Bible is a unit, right? <laughs> and it, so it is in, in Peter, who then continues by quoting Scripture, and I think that in chapter 2, when you have these uh, statements that he has uh, quoting from you know, like you just mentioned, the prophet Joel. It's one of those statements where uh, Peter is standing up and explaining the event on this festival known as Pentecost, but I find it interesting both from Joel's prophecy that he quotes, that from Joel's view, and in a way that Peter is quoting it, the events of Pentecost and Judgment Day are identical. They're together. Now, we live between them, but... You know, when you're looking ahead at mountaintops, when you're in, you know, when you're in uh, eastern Colorado and driving toward Denver and you see mountains, they all look like they're all in the same place. But if you're in the mountains, you can look back at mountaintops, look ahead to mountaintops. And that's where we live right now. But we're between Pentecost. Yeah. But from Joel's perspective, they were the same. And I think that's an amazing connection that, that we don't want to miss out on as we're reading through chapter two. Right. Which is why you see Peter saying, here's, here are these things being fulfilled. Right. And he quotes Joel, but then there's some of this that is clearly yeah end of days, last day. But it says to you and to me, right, and to our podcast listeners that uh, Judgment Day really as good as done is for us. I mean, this is, right? I mean, we, we live now in this world and proclaim, but when we're physically dead and enjoying the bliss of heaven and judgment day eventually occurs at it's just affirming what we already know and have certainty thanks to the work of the lord jesus and the spirit creating faith in our hearts this is all it's a done deal that that's that's a neat connection i love this quote and it's you know if if you were reading this without any background or knowledge yeah. the sun darkened and the moon turned to blood and like whoa scary but then Verse 21, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. <laughs> yeah. We have nothing to fear yeah. because we have Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so when Judgment Day happens and the elements that he created are changed, or done, you know, this is a Peter reference too in his letters. Uh, it's funny, the guy who was preaching the sermon writes the letter about the, what the elements will be destroyed by fire, you know. But uh, that reference is is beautiful. But we're safe yeah. in the name of Jesus Christ. So, And so he's he goes on in his sermon, and then he has this other wonderful resurrection Oh, so quote right Psalm you know 16. that that is the resurrection chapter and he talks about um you know this because that is what is the theme we mentioned in a podcast earlier about chapter one this is now in chapter two what is the heart and core of our message today and it was in peter's too we have the foundation of the resurrected lord easter yep. we don't have a dead savior we have a living savior and this right. is brought Psalm up very 16 clearly came true yeah the messiah was not abandoned to the grave I got the privilege of preaching this text uh, for Easter dawn this year. Oh. This, well, the Psalm 16 text. Oh, Psalm, yeah. But uh, some good commentary on it here for study. What does this Psalm uh, mean? Yeah. Well, there oh, it God, is. Thank you, Peter. Yeah. <laughs> I appreciate that. <laughs> Tells you exactly, right? <laughs> oh, and, it, and then the theme yeah. I use, I will, we will not be shaken. Because of Easter, oh. we won't be shaken. Because yeah. this has happened. Yeah. Even as the ground, the 
earth is shaking even when the judgment day stuff is going yeah. we won't be shaking there's plenty because... of shaking stuff in my life and right, yeah. right but for sure unshaken in the resurrection of our lord and then his power as the exalted lord everything under his feet is mentioned there and you know he wraps it up with and so the people's reaction to this which we have in chapter 2 is a beautiful thing that we use these passages and we're talking about the power of baptism you know repent to be baptized every one of you it promises for you and your children and, your and children. then it's for the forgiveness yes, of sins you can't get around that passage connected yeah is baptism something i do to show god or to show people around me that i'm more committed to him? no i'm passive i am receiving from god this gift of the forgiveness of sins of baptism does, and Peter clearly states that here. I love that part of that, so that our our podcast listeners and readers will want to make sure that they're attuned to that. And then this burst of 3,000 coming yeah. to faith, it's always a remarkable you thing. this refrain of the steady and yeah. remarkable growth. Yeah, exactly. That the, the gospel's doing things. It's changing hearts, it's <laughs> changing lives. It's, yeah spreading in the church. I, I like your line that you just said there, change hearts and lives, and then it plays out. You see that at the end of the chapter in the life of the church. This is before we have some disasters coming and some sadness that their sin can infiltrate God's church on earth, the visible church. But here in chapter two, as it winds down, you know, the, the impact of a living and risen uh, ascended Lord has, with the spirits working on their hearts and their lives, you, you use that phrase. I really like that, Pastor Hackman. Because yeah, that's really what ch- the end of the chapter does. What does this look like? Yeah, the life of the church. What yeah. is... Wouldn't that be great? Uh, sadly, we've seen over the last couple of years from, let's just say it, you know, pandemic stuff, that even among God's people who love the Lord Jesus and love each other, then there there's some tension and there's disagreements, differences of opinion, uh, sometimes people want to tie that into political ideas and stuff, but that's not how the Lord wants his church really to interact. And if we want to know how would God and our Savior want the the members of Grace Church and the intersection with the community who are drawn into the Savior's love by our testimony, how would how would he want us to treat one another and to act? We'll just go to the end of chapter two of Acts and read that. This would be a beautiful thing, right? Yeah, just remarkable selflessness. Yeah, that yeah. I'm in this for you and not for me. I'm. Yep. I'm. I'm here, privileged to be one of the stones that's piled it, next to you in the oh living my. stone. So yep. use the picture then. Yeah, that's Peter coming. Paints later. Yeah, yeah, and I again, that's a nice reference because Peter, the guy preaching this sermon and stuff like that, is had that in his letter, but. Uh, just like the end of chapter one, it's one of those things too where whenever you're doing the Bible reading and I find myself, I'm looking at this and I, I really appreciate the word that you used, uh, my dear partner, Brian and pastor, you, you know, the selflessness. And then what does that do? That's a word that has comes up in my mind and my heart and my, I go, wait, I, that's not, I've not been that way. I wish I've I could not, be I, that way. Yeah. I've not, I've been too much interested in selfishness things and self-centered things and that is damning and scary and to see this is condemning at first because i know that i have not been the kind of selfless christian or pastor even that i or husband or father or grandpa or whatever partner in that i want to be and so what do i do about that you know 
I think I better go back to the beginning of chapter two and hear Peter again about repent, you know, or in the middle of the chapter, right? And uh, think through what the Savior has done so that we can yeah. be together more like this in uh, Acts chapter two. Yeah. The gospel's worked in my heart and yeah. I'm a baptized child of God and I've been washed clean from yeah. from those sins and now this is opportunity. Now I can yeah. um, live selflessly. I yeah. can uh, recognize the role that I have yeah. in, a, in a church family and, and look out for my brothers yeah. and sisters. And, and let's do that more. Celebrate. We should. Yeah. <laughs> Especially because this is most, most certainly, certainly true. Thanks for listening. We'd love to share more about God's love with you. Check us out at www.gracedowntown.org. There you'll find worship times, our pastor's contact info, and a lot of information about our ministry in and to downtown Milwaukee. We hope to connect you to the grace of God again soon. 